Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... The schools are saying no, so we don't want that to be a barrier for a young person who wants to be a better mate and wants to upskill and be informed and take it upon themselves to go, actually, I'm the kind of person that people feel safe talking to and I want to know exactly what I can do to provide the best opportunity or foster the best environment to provide the support that someone needs. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 321 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Millie Bannister. Millie Bannister is the founder and director of All Kind, a not-for-profit organisation reducing the national youth suicide rate by teaching Australia's first digital peer-to-peer mental health first aid program at scale around the country. She's a communications specialist and digital creator with 160,000 plus community and a background and training in journalism, positive psychology and human research. She's currently an ambassador for Microsoft Surface, Nexpa, MG Motor, and has worked with the likes of BMW, Sony, Alay, Amazon, and Google. So on today's podcast, we'll dig a little bit into burnout, mental health, and the ways and opportunities that we can be better supporting youth throughout Australia and the world. So Millie, it's a pleasure to be talking. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tom. Episode 321. I can't believe how much value you've already put out into the world. It's incredible. And I'm very happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Thanks, Millie. Let's kick things off. I would love to learn a bit more about your background, Millie, and what it was basically that led to your interest and passion, not just in social enterprise, but mental well-being. I started my degree in journalism and very quickly knew that I wanted to do something a little outside the traditional realms of news writing and things like that. And so I ended up more in the communication space. And after graduating overseas in California, I moved around to the East Coast, back to the West Coast and traveled. And as I grew up, and faced these life growth lessons, I started reflecting on my own mental health journey. And at the time I was really looking to start at the time, I didn't know what it was called, but essentially a social enterprise or a not-for-profit organisation that really focused on building community and conversation that was accessible and relatable to young women around mental health. That was about five years ago now. And then because of COVID, I moved back home to Brisbane, Australia and spent two years essentially in lockdown like we all did in that monotonous stretch of time Mm. and figured out 
pretty quickly that I wanted this to be something a little more niche, a little more specific, narrow the scope. And so All Kind was born at the beginning of lockdown and it became a registered charity and then was lucky enough to work with yourself, Tom, and Impact Boom and Griffith University through the Elevate Plus program and finally got to understand what a social enterprise meant and Mm. learned some of my pretty key lessons around the business of full purpose. So that's where we're at now. And it's really exciting to be in this kind of next chapter of scaling up something that was born so long ago, but has evolved into something that looks very different today, but feels and definitely aligns with my values and my passions. Absolutely. And look, it's been really exciting to watch your journey and and also work alongside someone like yourself who is just so passionate and driven in this area, Millie. I mentioned you're the founder of All Kind. So can you tell us a little bit more about this organization? You mentioned your registered charity, for example, but what is its purpose and what are your goals for the next 12 months or so? We are Australia's first digital peer-to-peer mental health first aid training program for young people. That might just seem like a whole bunch of words, but it's really exciting because traditionally when we think of mental health first aid, it's Mm. essentially teaching people, usually adults, how to help other adults or parents and teachers to help the young people in their lives. In terms of early intervention, it's around suicide prevention, self-harm and panic attacks and Looking at the statistics in Australia around youth suicide, they're very alarming. They're only getting worse. Suicide accounts for almost 40% of youth deaths between 15 and 17 year olds, which is more than car accidents, more Mm. than accidental poisonings. It just absolutely should not be the case. And there's a whole other conversation we could have around the lack of funding, the lack of research and the accessibility around seeing health professionals such as psychologists that's not where our focus is and there's some wonderful organizations doing great work in that space and it's slowly improving but for now we're focused in the early intervention space and we're focused on building movement by youth for youth our idea was to look at the stats and go okay research suggests that majority of the time young people are going to each other before they go to a trusted adult to seek support seek connection around their mental health struggles. So who is actually teaching them what to do in those situations? We have Are You OK Day. We're all encouraged to check in on our mates, but Mm. what happens when they say, actually, I'm not okay? Where is the education so that we're having these supported and informed conversations? And currently there's one other organisation teaching youth how to help other youth, but they require in-person facilitators, which is expensive. It's inaccessible in some locations. So there's a few barriers presented that we really wanted to tear down and go, okay, we really just want to make it as accessible and efficient as possible to bring this life-saving education to these young people around Australia and empower them with the right skills and support-seeking behaviours, attitudes and beliefs around suicide prevention, Mm -hmm. self-harm and panic attacks so that they can actually help each other out safely when they do go to each other because they already are going to each other It makes sense when you think about your days in high school and what that was like confiding in someone. We want them to know what to do for their Mm. own sake, but also for the sake of those who are needing that support. 
Yeah, it's critical that support is provided. And it's, it's great to get a bit more of an understanding of the research you've done and the gaps that you're seeing, Millie. So are there any other gaps in Australia more broadly that you see that basically offers an opportunity to better support the mental well-being of youth? Like you're talking about youth providing support for youth initially. Did you want to break that down a bit further? There really isn't a whole lot of education happening in schools. I was in high school about eight years ago. And since then, despite such a long period of time and so many stories, so much conversation happening around mental health, there really is not enough at all going on in schools to educate our young people to the point that there are these mass herd mentality episodes around things like self-harm in some elite private girls' schools in Brisbane, for example. And it's an epidemic in itself within the walls of that school. Unfortunately, in the government-type institutions, there's this massive misunderstanding around the idea that by talking about suicide, we're putting ideas into people's heads or we're encouraging them or it will change their behaviour and things like that, which research has proven very effectively that is not the case. It's almost like they're frightened or scared to talk about these things, let alone provide them with a training course such as ours. Because of this backwards belief and these attitudes around the idea of talking about these things, which is just so unfortunate, we have to do a lot of education with our product when we talk to schools. But unfortunately, it's so hard. It's really hard to the point that we've actually opened up our mental health first aid peer-to-peer digital training to individuals. So that when young people who are enrolled in high school, for example, Mm. find us on social media and go, oh, this would be great to have in our life skills class in school, one Tuesday afternoon out of the year, get everyone educated and informed at the same time. It's cost-effective, it's accessible, it's digital. You can do it anywhere in Australia. but the schools are saying no. So we don't want that to be a barrier for a young person who wants to be a better mate, wants to upskill, be informed and take it upon themselves to go, actually, I'm the person that people feel safe talking to and I want to know exactly what I can do to provide the best opportunity or foster the best environment to provide the support that someone needs. What it looks like at the moment, I think COVID has definitely accelerated the conversation around mental health, especially around the developmental psychology of young people going through such prolonged collective trauma and uncertainty. If we think about our own experiences as business owners, as parents or colleagues and how stressful it was during that time, Mm. imagine being 15 and and having all of these psychological changes going on and the stress of just being a young person in such an uncertain environment when there's already so much going on in your brain, it just cultivates a really tricky space for one's mind to be in. Absolutely. And look, it really just highlights the need there is for a service like all kind, really, Millie. Changing topic a little bit, though, we're talking mental health and certainly in working with a lot of other social entrepreneurs or purpose-led entrepreneurs or even just entrepreneurs full stop, I've certainly seen my fair share of burnout really affect a wide variety of people, particularly it feels in this social enterprise space and have absolutely been very close to burnout myself uh, in the past. So I'm keen to hear whether you've got any sort of practical advice that you give to other founders or people working in the space to really just help them stay on top of their mental health? 
Look, like I touched on before, I honestly think that the past two years have really tested us all. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel as though we're already burnt out and we're slowly building our resilience and our strength back up Mm -hmm. after such a drawn out, uncertain time. I think I wouldn't blame anyone who felt even at the start of a fresh year already exhausted. I think Mm. that was a pretty common conversation going around in Q1 when we were like, okay, we've got four quarters ahead of us, yet we're already feeling exhausted (laughs) and tired. And I, I wouldn't blame anyone who felt that way. I think as the year has progressed now, we're halfway, I think, we've caught on to some momentum and some excitement around being free and past what happened and being able to travel, et cetera. I think dropping those expectations of going, okay, I can avoid burnout this year would be a practical idea to keep in the back of your mind. In saying that though, I think there are some people who are doing really well and have reevaluated their priorities and their boundaries coming out of such a tricky time, Mm. which is great. And that's probably all I would encourage people to do is A, give yourself a lot of grace and go gently with your expectations around burnout Mm. and also set those boundaries and set those priorities and really stick to them and reflect on how you're going with them in terms of how well you're sticking to them. For example, I decided this year that I would take Wednesdays off as a personal day and try and do half day Fridays and things come up. It's launch week for us for this week. And then I got sick and then life happens for the most part. It's honestly saved my sanity, my physical exhaustion as well. I get Mm. very tired very easily. So knowing that I have Wednesdays and obviously this isn't possible for everyone, but finding those pockets of rest and scheduling them in has been something that I have found has worked for me consistently asking how can I make my work-life balance better practically, not in an ideal because we're never living in an ideal world. We're always living in a reality where life happens consistently and we think we're going to have a good week or a a tidy week that happens as per our plan, but it really never does. So making sure that you've got those things scheduled into your calendar Mm -hmm. already so that you can try and stick to them. But also you're human, you're already exhausted from such a long period of time where we had no idea what's going on and things were really hard just doing the best you can and being gentle with how you go about it. That's some great advice, Millie, and, and couldn't agree more, just marking those really clear boundaries and being gentle with yourself. Mm. And Millie, you did mention a little bit earlier that we worked together on Impact Boom's Elevate Plus Accelerator, uh, which at the time was hosted at home base at, at the Unison and Griffith Uni. And look, since finishing as well, you've made some really positive progress and I mentioned what a pleasure it was to work with you. But I'm keen to hear whether you have any key lessons or insights that emerged from that experience working with other founders that might be valuable to to the listeners or, or purpose-led entrepreneurs out there seeking to create impact. I would honestly say that getting in a room with other founders who were all going through quite similar challenges and were almost in the same boat in terms of starting something that they were passionate about and facing very real and repeated obstacles really brought me out of this lull or this rut that I was going through halfway through last year. Mm. And 
probably like the biggest takeaway. I mean, the content was amazing. Having guest speakers going through from start to finish in a chronological order with the content made sense from start to finish in terms of setting up a social enterprise all the way through to pitching a finished product. That was just incredible. And I'm still combing through everything that we learnt mm. in such a short period of time, in real time, essentially, as we all worked to build up our own social enterprise. Honestly, the, the best part and the key takeaway would be getting in the same room as people going through the same thing as you. I cannot explain how positive that impact was on me. And from that experience, I would always recommend that people seek out those industry mentors where they can and seek out other small business owners or social enterprise founders who can take you out of your own headspace and take you out of that mental prison of feeling stuck and very isolated. Mm. I know that was something I said to you, Tom, the first day that we met and you were like, why do you want to come join Elevate Plus? And I said, I'm just really lonely. Yeah. I'm so lonely yeah. and isolated. I really need to be in the same room as other founders because I didn't go to founder school. I didn't go to business school. Yeah. I don't know if my experiences and emotions around what is going on and the obstacles I'm facing are valid or not, just feeling validated, heard and seen and supported was absolutely life-changing for me at that point and has, yeah, stayed with me to this day. When we launched on Monday, I had at least two or three members of our cohort reach out and share my content as well and we still keep in touch and support each other and it's just a wonderful thing to have those people around you who also understand what you're going through mm. thanks for sharing million look it, it's absolutely a, a recurring theme if you're listening in and you're on the founder journey and you're feeling a little bit isolated uh, you're feeling lonely then it is absolutely some of the, the the biggest feedback that i get that is really just a common point amongst those that we work with so thanks for sharing that and certainly on on that note we are very close to opening up in fact by the time this goes live i'm sure we will have opened up our next elevate plus program for southeast queensland based social enterprises yeah have, have a look on the website if you're listening in and, and if you'd like to apply you can, you can go for it and likely meet people like millie as part of the process but millie Continuing on, there's a whole bunch of really inspiring projects and, and initiatives that I know that you work directly with or that you're certainly aware of. So which ones do you believe are creating some really positive social change? Top of mind for me would be, it's funny to say, but there's a social enterprise who work out of the same co-working space as I do in Sydney called Who Gives a Crap? And yeah. if you're in the space, there'll be no doubt you know who they are. Their message and the marketing has really cut through and yeah. provided a really gold standard example of what it means to be a social enterprise. For those who don't know, essentially their product is toilet paper and it's good toilet paper too. Their marketing is on point, but 50% of their profits are donated to help build toilets in countries and areas where that would previously have not been possible. Mm. They're B certified, they're eco-conscious, they're doing all the right things, but their passion really comes through their comms, essentially, through social media, their website. I have purchased and every time I drop into the bathrooms at the co-working space, there's piles and piles of it. Um, <laughs> and it's just wonderful to see an Aussie 
a local brand doing such incredible work both here and in the areas that they're reaching through yeah. their work as well. Yeah, it's certainly not the first time someone has recommended Who Gives a Crap, Millie, and we are yet to interview Simon Griffiths, the founder, so uh, we should go and knock on their door and share his yes. or, or the team's story with our audience. But to finish off then, Millie, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Oh, I love this question. I think books are just so helpful for us founders. At the moment, I'm reading a friend of mine, Tim Duggan, is the co-founder of Junkie Media, and he's a bit of a creative icon or legend in the comms or media space. Recently went to his second book's launch. His first book that he published through COVID was called Cult Status, how to build a business people adore, touching on um, some really special enterprises for profit. He also interviewed and gave a, a bit of a section shout out to Who Gives a Crap as well. And he's just gone on to release another book because he's just brilliant and has so much good stuff to share with the mm. world, but it's called Killer Thinking. And Killer is actually an acronym so it actually stands for something it teaches us from start to finish how to turn good ideas into brilliant ones mm. it's had a really positive acclaim as well and so those two I, he's done so much good stuff in his career but to actually pull that out of his brain and put that into a repeatable process yeah. is really helpful for people like us even as founders who already have a product and already have a message internally bringing these concepts of Brainstorming sessions don't work. For example, he hates brainstorming sessions, especially on Zoom. He has another idea for it that you can use that doesn't involve a whiteboard to get really hmm. great ideas out of people. It's just stuff that I never really would have thought of because A, I don't have enough experience and I haven't lived through the career that he has. There's so many ways in which people do things in the business world and I love having a bit of a blueprint that is his. So I definitely recommend Tim Duggan's books. And then another one I'd recommend on the mental health side of things would be Sarah Wilson, Aussie author as well. You might know her from I Quit Sugar. She founded that a, a while ago, but she wrote a book through COVID called First We Make the Beast Beautiful, a new story about anxiety. She is so whip smart and intelligent and she somehow wrote an entire book that was filled with research in a really digestible, accessible way and nailed the crux of what it's like to live with anxiety, bringing that into a really articulate, long-form, almost essay about mm. what it means to have anxiety, how to live with it, how to feel better and do better. If you are someone who does live alongside anxiety, I definitely give it a read. It was really validating and interesting. A lot of really incredible anecdotes. I have bookmarked nearly every single page of it, <laughs> likewise with Tim Duggan's books. They're my little gold finds and I would recommend all of the above. They do sound great books and what we'll do is we'll stick links through in your articles so that the listeners can click on through and, um, and get their hands on a copy. Millie, it's been a pleasure to have your insights today and for you to share your experience. So thanks so much for being so generous with your time and we'll look forward to tracking your journey and seeing just how greatly you do with all kinds. have all confidence that you're going to have great success with it and you've just got such a strong product that is obviously responding to a really critical need. So thanks again for the work that you do. 
Tom, that is so kind of you. Thank you so much for having me. And it is always a pleasure to have a chat with you, to work alongside you. And I look forward to the Social Enterprise World Forum in Brisbane in September. It'll be great to see you there, Millie. We'll look forward you to too. it. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.